get a whole sentence out I just this is, it's, it's what they it's what they call a uh in, in game theory call a dominant strategy right it's why the <laughs> is, it's, it's fact, why you defect. always it's why you always rat out your conspiracy conspiracy always exactly i mean i mean there's i know that you will do the same to me so i have no incentive not to do it otherwise i'll feel, <laughs> I'll feel like a, a fucking ass for not having no you know i never understood that i mean i never understood it uh I never understood that. Why do you rat out your your um, Why do you rat out your cellmate? And if if you don't know what we're talking about, it's uh, uh, we're talking about a, a problem in game theory, simple problem called the prisoner's dilemma, where Ryan and I have committed a crime together. We've conspired to commit a crime. We're captured. <laughs> the crime, the crime that we've conspired to commit is this podcast. <laughs> this podcast. They <laughs> the finally come. Are they, you our listeners? They finally this podcast, come. by the way, which incidentally is the these fucking teenagers podcast. I said that. About, the, that was which was about Gossip Girl Glee and the sociology of teen soaps. And bracket continue. <laughs> uh, so uh, they finally come, the like the authority police or like the uh, you know the parents of the teenagers who form our listenership, right? Finally come to lock us up, and um, <laughs> and uh, you know so they get us, they separate us, and they they try to cut a deal with each of us. Um, Rat out your uh, rat out your your conspirator. If uh, if you rat him out and he doesn't rat you out, no jail time for you. But even if he does rat you out, we'll give you a lesser a lesser time a jail time because if he rats you out and you say nothing to him, you're going uh, for a long time, right? And th- right. does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. That's about right. So it, then the it makes so the idea is that. And the idea is that we both end up ratting each other out. Well, that's because in either – and I never understood why that was the dominant strategy. And the reason is because in either case, you get a better payoff. That's exactly – I mean so when you solve this, right? So this is typically solved in a like a two-by-two matrix, right? right? Where so – so each sort of uh, side of the matrix is the um, is one prisoner's decisions, and they can just de- uh, decide to stay quiet or rat, right? And so what the way you solve the, these kinds of simple two by two games is that you look at you you kind of go row by row and column by column. So if you first like look at prisoner one's options, and you say, well, if prisoner two is not ratting, it's better for me to rat. Right, and then if the prisoner, uh, if the prisoner two is ratting, it's, it's better, better for me, for me to, rat. to rat. Right, right, exactly. And then, yeah. then you do the same thing for prisoner two, and it comes out like that. And so the Nash equilibrium um, is is rat rat. Right, so that's why it's a, a that's like the you know the first thing you learn game theory one hundred and one. Um, that's that that right there is what, what we call a freebie. Um, <laughs> but this isn't this isn't a podcast about game theory. I mean, game theory is relevant to this podcast, but that's not what. I was actually trying to think, trying to brainstorm a uh, prisoner's dilemma situation. Um, <clears throat> a prisoner's dilemma situation. I mean, in in. Well, I'll tell Soaps, you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, prisoners' dilemmas 
in the wire. <laughs> That's right. So uh, though we are the the um, the podcast about Gossip Girl Glee and the sociology of teen hopes, and though I am your host for this is, uh, teen hopes, sociology <laughs> teen, teen hopes, hopes and dreams. <laughs> teen hopes and dreams. <laughs> I just want my my I just want my science my dreamy science teacher to you know notice me and carry me away to a land where I can write in my journal all day and not. Uh, I don't know. Is that hope? Is that hope about sex, or is that hope not about sex? Yeah, I don't. No, no, no. It's not. I mean, this this is why uh, this is why you always have a crush on your camp counselor, right? Because they're a safe object of uh, they're a safe object of crush, you know. Because but, there's no. It doesn't um, still not make that about. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll take that up later in the episode. I guess so, yeah, we I'm have to. We, we have to. That, I, that doesn't have anything to do with sex. I mean, our our show is called "These Fucking Teenagers," and we haven't talked about fucking uh, at all. Okay, so uh, I'm your host for this episode, Matthew Rapp. Only in the first episode, and we got chat, roundly chastised for talking about fucking way too much. Right, exactly. Uh, and uh, I'm here with my delicious co-host, Mr. Ryan Sheely. Or I should uh, say, uh, co-criminal, co-conspirator. <laughs> my my co-conspirator, uh, Ryan Sheely. Uh, you can get uh, you can get us on the Twitters at twitter.com slash tft podcast. And if you hear anything that you want to respond to, reply to podcast at overthinkingit dot com or uh, call the voicemail, uh, which is uh, twenty fat jog. Zero one, which is a good uh, good advice to any fucking teenagers, right? Fat. Jog, uh, twenty fat jogs. Zero one. That's two zero. I'm not even gonna touch that one. I, I, that that statement in no way reflects the opinions of uh, overthinkingit.com, of of myself, Ryan Chili, or uh, any other uh, other part. That is solely the uh, opinion of of uh, Matt Rather. Two zero three two eight five six four zero one. And speaking of the wire. Just to bring it speaking full of circle now, and speaking of voicemail and voicemail number, we have a listener voicemail uh, who has a couple things to say about The Wire. We should mention now that this show gives no warnings for spoiler alerts. Uh, hello, these fucking teenagers. Uh, this is Bart uh, from Sacramento, currently on the I-5 South, heading toward Los Angeles for the Thanksgiving festivities. Uh, I was just listening to podcast number six, Experimental Noise Collective, uh, specifically the discussion of how to spoil the wire, of uh, whether or not the wire is spoilerable or not. Uh, I would say that uh, I agree. It's not really spoilerable. And, uh, spoilerable? Uh, anyways, uh, it's not spoilerable uh, because not only did I know that Omar got killed, um, I knew that, spoiler alert, Strayer Bell got killed. Uh, and neither ruined my uh, enjoyment of the series. Uh, I agree that uh, specific elements of character storylines uh, is not something that uh, really amounts to a spoiler in a show that is uh, much more uh, about much more than just a specific character arc, uh, or whether or not Omar or uh, Streeter lives. Um, oh, Frank Sabatka gets fucking killed too. And, um, yes, but there's much more to the wire than just these, uh, points of, uh, of who gets killed and who, um, goes to jail, uh, which would be not Marlo, um, and, uh, oh, Avon does too, and now I'm just spoiling the shit out of everything, uh, to prove my point, and, uh, I believe yours, that it is not just that that can spoil the wire, uh, which is a, an amazing show, um, keep up the great fucking work, 
uh, and I will continue to be a staunch listener and supporter. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Now, that's a guy who gets it. You know, I know. Right. I mean, I, 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 what I hope to say that he is he is a representative of the, you know, silent majority of our listeners. Right. Like, I mean, we have had, you know, I think that he was actually responding you know, on our last listener feedback show. We, we took a, a call that was complaining about the fact that we had spoiled uh, Omar's death. And then we we briefly discussed whether the wire was spoilable. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're I am I, I'm, I'm really refreshed to, to hear that. Uh, uh, that that our listener uh, agrees with us. That someone uh, agrees with us, right? We're right. That that a show about procedure, the only really the only important thing is is procedure. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, how do you mean? Could you uh, could you uh, tease that out a little Un- bit? Unpack that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, could you uh, <laughs> cash that out? <laughs> cash that out. Could you could you metaphor that well, for I was, me? I was um, <laughs> here's what I was thinking. I mean, I was thinking that um, that. Uh, the wire is an interesting narrative thing because like it offers a lot of the pleasures of, of straightforward narrative, like surprises and finding things out and twists and turns. But really the action intellectually is in watching the operations of, of the system, which is, you know, which is the, or of various systems and of the, the interaction of systems. And they are, they are unseen, but their effects are certainly felt, uh, throughout the whole the whole series and so in a way all all this stuff in the wire this like who dies you know oh stringer bell's gonna die you know these are red herrings uh to a certain extent right because that's that's actually not um yeah i mean as we've said before it's the sorry to interrupt but yeah the show is it's it's, no you're not don't lie and say you're sorry to interrupt you're not sorry i'm I'm a little sorry um because because i know that i will be then interrupted in a future i'm not sorry because of anything i've done i'm purely sorry fucking teenagers Uh, i'm purely consequentialist Uh, ego you know was it uh egoism an ethical ego as perspective. Like I know it will come back to bite me in the ass in the future. Um, but um, um, the point that I, I, I just had to rush to, to get out there um, was that it's you know the the wire is is structural, right? And so that these you know yes you do care about certain characters and um, you care about what happens to them, but ultimately, I mean the, you know the. The the one statement that you can make that spoils the wire, I suppose, um, is you know is well nothing is fixed at the end. You know everyone everything is the same at the end of the whole series, right? right. That you know the, there's there's new Omars, there's you know new corrupt you know the, the people who started uh, uh, idealistic. You know Carcetti, you know sells out Baltimore to become the governor, right. um, you know, and so on and so forth. And and I guess. I mean, but I don't even think that that the fact is that's like the closest to a spoiler that you can get, and I don't even think that spoils it because it's about the process, right? So it's not necessarily about it's. I mean, so you said it was about procedure, so right. So the the fact that it's a show about procedure and about jurisdiction means that the show is about the process, right? It's about the journey rather than the destination, and that is why it's why it's not spoilable. Um, I guess maybe that's why someone could, uh, you know, say that the show is about nothing. Um, well, certainly or, in that in that nothing seems to change. Right. right, exactly. It seems exactly. To be, it seems to be a show about nothing. 
Right, and that is a, a segue to um, <laughs> another piece of uh, uh, listener feedback. Well, I mean, before we get away from that, thanks again for the for the call uh, and for for your for the listenership and for agreeing with us, which is the best thing that uh, um, you know any any listener can do. Right, right? listeners that don't agree with us will be mocked. Uh, mercilessly, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, that's uh, or anyone who brings to... up anything about post-structuralism. Um, the, yeah, that shit's awesome. I love, I love Derrida and, and that Foucault guy, man. Foucault, man. Oh god, when I was reading Foucault, um, it just, it just was so cool. <laughs> you be quiet, or I'm going to discipline and punish you. Oh, uh, that's what that's what her panopticon said. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we got a um, we got a uh, we got a listener email. Um, hey, over it was actually it, it was actually a comment uh, oh, in sorry. the in in last week's uh, open thread on overthinking it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Tony who who wrote in uh, saying, "Hey, overthinkers, uh, here's something from here's some thinking." I, I I think she Tony. Oh, maybe a dude. Maybe not a dude. Uh, what do we call those women? Tony. Right. How about just Tony with an I? Tony with an I. Uh, and uh, Tony with an I writes in. Uh, here's some thinking, and I think Tony with an I calls it thinking wisely and not overthinking for reasons yeah, we'll yeah. get to later. Uh, from a website I'd never heard of, but ran across because of an IMDb link. It's from a site called Zap to It from their blog. Uh, Shows about shows about nothing. Gossip Girl is a show about nothing. Is the claim that this article makes that Tony links us to. Also, that Mad Men is a show about nothing. But let's let's just uh, table that and and go right on to, to mm-hmm. Gossip Girl. Uh, Gossip Girl. Uh, now I'm quoting from the article that Tony has linked us to. Uh, a glaring example of how furiously flapping your colorful wings is no guarantee you'll get off the ground. Week after week, armed with gorgeous designer clothes, nubile young women showing incredible amounts of skin, stunt casting, by which I think she means Hilary Duff. Oh, this writer, uh, whose name is uh, Lisa Todorovich. Um... And uh, an insatiable taste for the naughty, the show tantalizingly dangles the promise of plot in front of us. It purports to be about something, but it's a tease. Week after week, it sets us up and lets us down. Hello, threesome. That's, that's Lisa Todorovich. That's not me. Um, Blair is nearly always <laughs> shrill. Serena is chronically incapable of making a decent decision. And Nate just kind of stands around. Only Chuck and Jenny have any kind of character arc, but they're often supporting players at best. And increasingly, it feels like a stretch for the writers to fill a- an entire hour. Well, all I can say is that Lisa Todora Vich's name should be Lisa Todora B- <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you wrong. Uh, this is this is just it, wrong. Yeah, it, yeah, and and it's incredibly wrong. It's flagrantly wrong. It's wrong. It's offensively wrong. It's offensively wrong because it's wrong dressing up as condescension. You know, and that's and that's just pissing me off. <laughs> Right. right. I mean, now. it's one thing if she had been wrong in just a kind of humble, tentative way, but, uh, you know, I mean, she doesn't even know us, and I, I feel like it's a personal affront, you know? I mean, I want to start this comment with, what, you think you're better than me? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Google me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, please don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, uh, so, okay. 
if Gossip Girl is not a show about nothing, and I think you and I are strongly making the contention that it is a show about something, how is meaning produced in mm. Gossip Girl? Because I think some of these things are... Um, some of these things are things that we've talked about. Disappointing uh, uh, plotting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, oh, and a kind of lack of development in Serena is something that one of our other something that yeah. one of our other letters for today gets into, and so we'll get, we'll get into it later. But right, um, right. I mean, okay. Well, fair, well I, also fair th- I also think another thing that she talks about is um, like an, uh, an extreme attention to sort of surface detail, right? Um, right. And, and, and so she says that it's all style, no substance. And I think in some of our earliest, maybe first two uh, episodes uh, of, of, of this podcast, um, even before we you know, came up with the title of These Fucking Teenagers, is that we talked about that as one of the major kind of meaning-producing elements of, um, of Gossip Girl, right? And the, the kind of rich world of illusions and, and kind of uh, you know, intertextuality. Um, and so I, but I don't think we're going to talk a lot about that. I mean, we've kind of, I think we established that well. If you, you know, weren't a listener of the podcast at that point, go back to the archives and 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 sift through it um so that's like sort of you know it's one of these not to pull out the it's not a bug it's a feature but i think this is you know that is one case where one of the things she complains about you know enhances the meaning and i think another is you know her kind of complaint that nothing ever happens right that it doesn't follow a traditional kind of arc and you know in the same way that the the wire being unspoilable is related in a very important way to what it is about. And, yep. you know, The Wire is also not a show about nothing, even though it doesn't sort of, you know, uh, follow a sort of conventional, conventional narrative structure. The, the repetition in Gossip Girl, I would, I would contend, is actually very important to uh, the production of, yes. uh, of, of meaning. Um, and and this, is, this is something that I think I alluded to in the OM3 episode um, by pointing out that we're seeing an interesting thing in this third season. You know, I had been concerned about, you know, what would, you know, would the show work when they send the characters to, to college? And what I hadn't realized is, you know, now, now that Jenny is sort of at the same year in high school that the other major characters were when the, when the series started, yep. we're getting a repetition of these same points of the high school life cycle. Um, and it's right. the sort of the, the, sim, the resonance between the, um, you, you know, the, 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 the sort of current iteration of the events and the, and the past is creating a lot of, of interesting tensions and sort of um, um, meanings. And it's actually, this is a point that was, you know, came, came back to me or was sort of introduced to me in uh, one of uh, a series of, of posts, on, posts on Overthinking It by uh, our, our co-conspirator Fenzel, um, who does not, you know, watch Gossip Girl or, or Glee, but uh, reads Dragon Ball uh, very passionately. passionately and had yeah. a, uh, uh, a series on, on the website uh, called Fenzel on Dragon Ball. And the first installment of that uh, talked about repetition um, in, in Dragon Ball and the way in which sort of these – it's a very repetitive show. And he sort of contended that you know, the, the repetition of these, you know, these big laser beam fights um, uh, where you know, two people sort of shoot lasers at each other in the sky – um, is repeated again and again in Dragon Ball. And he says that this, you know, just the repetition of this uh, and, and the sort of symbolism in that, you know, is enough to sort of unpack a whole kind of worldview. And I think that 
uh, I, I would I would contend that rep- the repetition in Gossip Girl uh, operates in a similar way. Can you unpack that? Uh, yeah, that, that, so... Right, well, okay, so, like, in the... Or do you want me to unpack that? Is that what you're uh, pausing? I'll pass off. Uh, no, I was pausing to pass it off for right. you. I mean, okay, I, so I, 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 in, like, in, I, I sure can unpack that, but, you know, this is a team... On, there's no, uh, there's no I in podcast. <laughs> uh, the, so, right, so in this last, in the last episode before the break, with Nate's car crash, we see... Trip. Trips car crash. Trips car crash. crash with oh right and yeah and uh, who's in the car? With Serena's Ser- in the car and Nate comes to rescue. Uh, right, comes right, to right. rescue Serena, uh, finding the uh, the ambulance already there. And Trips excuses like, "Well, I called the ambulance." Um, you know, making it I guess not another Chappaquiddick, but you know whatever. That's I mean that that's clearly what that was. That yeah, was, it's Chappaquiddick-ish. <laughs> that's that's what it it was meant to evoke for sure. Right, but it also sure. evoked Bart's. Fatal car crash mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. ago on the show, right? Mm-hmm. And that, right. Um, and the fact that it was Bart's uh, the anniversary of Bart's death served to kind of underline and put an exclamation point, uh, 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 you know, by the repetition. Yeah. Well, well, right, and and it's also and and so then there were other themes that were that came out of that, right? So the other sort of one of the other plot lines in the episode was. You know, Chuck being sort of haunted, you know, both, you know, mostly figuratively, but in an ambiguous way by, you know, the memory of his of his father. Right. So there's a series of really great scenes where, uh, you know, uh, old man, old man Bass returns to basically heckle his son for being a uh, a wuss. Right. And for being soft and for for loving a woman. And and so. And 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 so there's this element of the relationship between parents and children, and I think it's something we've talked about in gossip. Maybe I think not on this podcast, but in some of the pre-podcast writings on Gossip Girl, we've talked about the sort of relationships between parents and children in the show, and I'm sure we'll return to it because it's a, a rich area. But I think what's interesting, right? So is that while so. Um, so in, in this most recent episode, um, you, you know, you have the sort of specter of Bart Bass, uh, on the, uh, you know, anniversary of the car crash, both within the time of the show and that episode aired one year ago, um, right. you know, right this time, uh, last year, but then you also have, so you have this sort of father son relationship played out through the car crash but then there's echoes of that also you know so part of the reason serena got in the car crash to begin with is sort of she ran off with with trip after finding out a horrible uh, hypocritical secret about her mother right. right and so that there is actually you know parent child so so the, the sort of car crash and the repetition of the car crash is um sort of bringing up uh, this 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 theme about the sort of relationships between uh, parents and children in a um, in an aristocratic society, well, in a right. dynastic this, society. This, this, um, this, I may be taking a left turn from where you wanted to go, but the the um, the idea of the generations. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> you How know who I am? Die you? Uh, the. The idea of the. <laughs> you say how dare it die you? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I, I double dog dare die you. <laughs> the idea of the generations being uh, repetitions of one another is something that you know is something that comes up, like uh, you know the kind of the teenagers' eternal cry to their parents. You know, I won't become like you, uh, right. which which is really the the, the most pronounced uh, example of that right now on Gossip Girl is Serena and Lily. Um, right. Right. You know, well, and there is an interesting thing here is that you know that is uh, the connection between Bart and Lily is how you know Chuck and uh and and Serena are step siblings, right? And so right. there is like a sort of um family connection there as well. I mean, it's a really rich, I mean, I don't even think we can fully unpack it here because it's it's that kind of symbolically rich, right? I think to really do it justice, we'd have to do it, we could do a close viewing, a close reading of the episodes and, and really construct it. But I, th- I hope we're kind of getting at the, the contours of meaning there. Well, right, um, that, that, that this is something, and it strikes, I mean, it strikes me that like something, you know, um, that that Gossip Girl is is a uh, is a show among other things. It's about the the sort of improvability of man, you know, and, and whether whether we can yes. do better, you know. Yes. That, and you know what I keep thinking Absolutely. of because it's more than anything else. It's a show about power and uh-huh. uh, and the usage uh, the usages of power <laughs> and different right. d- of different types of power. There's different forms of power. Yeah. So it it makes me think. Uh, I'm led to think about Machiavelli, and not just because Georgina was holding a copy of The Prince, uh, you know, earlier this <laughs> season in her arc. Uh, no, but I think the fact that she that she was indicates that you're not wrong in thinking about the uh, is, about Machiavelli. And the, the, and Machiavelli's contention was that you should study the actions of of the great men of the past, military leaders, for example, but you can't imitate their strategies. Uh, right. right. So that, the, right. you know, the idea is that the prince will will take their strong points and avoid their pitfalls. Well, so I think a really interesting thing that speaks directly to that uh, is another point of repetition, another point of resonance is the ongoing uh, Jenny plotline of Jenny as queen. Right. Right. And so well, right. Um, and this it, is like in a way like succeeding uh, classes graduating mm-hmm. classes like right. are like ge- are like generations and Absolutely. so these all these things are what we're talking about is repetition with a difference and i think that i think right. that your your point uh if i can put it a lot more succinctly than you can uh if I, I don't may. think oh, you you might be able to put it more succinctly but it won't be better <laughs> <laughs> is that is that uh meaning is created in the difference when something yes, is yes. when something is repeated. Well, it's, I think I would say that it's created in the tension. I mean, right? So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I sure. I, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, because it's not just in the difference, right? Um, but it's in this sort of the the similarity and the difference and the relationship between those. Um, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, say what you were going to say about Jenny being queen now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Th- yeah. Because that's more in my way. I, I th- I'm glad, actually glad you did put you know the stuff on uh, uh, English uh, on, on literature and uh, interpretation. You probably will be able to put more succinctly uh, than I will because that's not my wheelhouse. When I'm talking about that, I, I am in fact being pretentious because I um, have I have read. <laughs> A lot of Derrida. <laughs> you, you passive-aggressive piece of shit. <laughs> You're unbelievable. <laughs> Let it go. 
Um, and so I, so what I was going to say about this, um, right. So uh, you, I, th- I think I really want to, cause it, it really does, um, relate to your point about, uh, Machiavelli and not replicating the strategies of, um, uh, of sort of past leaders. Right. And so, um, the sort of C plot in this episode was about Jenny kind of thwarting Eric's attempt to, um, to to sort of undermine her authority as as the queen of of the high school, um, right. and it sort of involves Eric trying to create jealousy among the the minions, or you know, and trying to like both make them you know reduce both the love and the fear, kind of right, right. Uh, by by sort of uh, inspiring jealousy and sort of. You know, it involves a sort of designer handbag and sort of Jenny, the way that Jenny kind of ends this is not exactly in the way that Blair would, right? So all of the sort of when Blair was queen, a lot of the main plot lines were her sort of machinations, the way that she kind of, you know, used her minions and used her sort of power to, to uh, you know, attempt to sort of bring about certain certain things uh, within within the this, this social network. Um, and I think that the way that Jenny did this was by, by basically preempting the strategy of divide and rule by providing the good to all, all of the subjects, giving all, them all, all of the bags, right. which is not, I mean, totally different from Blair. But then the reveal at the big uh, at the end of the episode is that the way that she did this is that she's fallen in with the sort of Bel- Belgian drug dealer, and she has this cash at her disposal um, because she's a you know like a drug mule or something like that. She's an accessory to some kind of well, it's you not, know. And, and actually, like, well, this is interesting. I think, we, but can I bracket this? Can I bracket this for a second because I I want to I want to talk about about Belgian drug dealing. But I, I also, I want to talk about what this says about Jenny and what kind of queen she is. So I no, think, that's actually, that's where I was going to go with Blair it. I mean, we don't need fundamentally yeah. an idealist. Yeah. Sure. You know, but and, I, that, and, yeah, and but, Jenny is a pragmatist. That's interesting. I mean, I wonder though, cause like there's a, a different, because I, I mean, I, I guess rather, the question, let, I mean, me, maybe, let me go, let me go again. Blair sees power as an end in itself and Jenny is a means to an end. Well, right, and I think that I wonder if that's separable, like how what the relationship between that of that is with the kind of material basis of their power, right? So that you know, Blair was born into the wealth, right? And so sure. for her, um, and so uh, whereas Jenny has always seen it as being aspirational, right? And so that, and so it's re- very interesting or that even, she, even like in her early life, even kind of denigrated. Right. As, no, that's right, true. Because like, they, Rufus and his wife, it seems to me, were kind of like Vanessa's parents, you know, organizing right. the right. the, the right. cheesemakers of Burlington. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, but so, so it's very interesting that you know because Jenny doesn't necessarily need. I mean, now that she has kind of you know been married into her family is married into the you know the the you know, Vander Woodson Bass, you know, uh, uh, dynastic complex, you know, she's, you know, has access to those resources and yet sort of cultivates a different, you know, illicit resource base um, that, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think we'll see, you know, the next episode is called, I think, Jenny full of grace. So I think we're going to see this plot line come to the, uh, come to the fore. So I think, you know, in a few weeks after the, uh, after they return from the, uh, the break, uh, we'll, We'll, we'll return to this, but um, I mean, I guess the question is, you know, where did which direction does the arrow of causation run? Like, is Jenny a pragmatist because of the kind of material basis of her power, or 
is her sort of pragmatic means ends uh you know uh, approach to power why she is okay with you know falling in league with a drug dealer and what's your maybe we don't have enough basis in the material to make that judgment i don't, I don't think we have enough basis in the material and like i sort of wonder what her you know i wonder what her aim uh what her aim is i mean i think that jenny you know um I, I, yes, I am being an asshole bringing up Derrida because we've had a lot of flame wars internally among the writers about I, 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 I mean, all things aside, like, the fact that we are a website where you can have flame wars about Derrida means that we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, like, we're doing okay. But, um, but actually, it could be a lot worse, dude. Derrida is, uh, is actually on point here, and, and the, the bit that's on point is, is the, the essay that every, you know, undergraduate lit major has read, Structure, Sign, and Play in the Discourse of the Human Sciences, um, which is collected in a book called uh, Speech and Phenomena, I think. Oh, God, I have to... Uh, we should, in the show notes, we should start putting citations in the, sh- in the, so- in the show notes. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, I, I say this because, like, you know, we, we, all, we, we very quickly toss off a lot of references to writers and books and things like that. And it's, it's you know, maybe not everyone's going to want to check them out, but it's, it's not a bad way to kind of create something of public value or make a, or make a book a buck if you are going to buy these books buy them through our amazon affiliate right link. so you that's the other well that's good so yeah, help um, our i'm the idealist you're the you're the mean <laughs> and uh, uh you're, i'm, I'm, I'm blair you're the, tenant apparently the hosting bill on his credit card um fair enough okay so uh right i think we just learned which direction the causal arrow runs then. <laughs> uh jenny is a person to to actually crib a bit from structure sign and play right jenny is a person who sees the structurality of uh of the what of the social system you know mm-hmm. and w- whereas blair blair believes in it you know in a in a slightly more naive way does right. that, you know, does that make sense? And we yeah, kind no, of, that does. And I think well, that, that makes like, sense to, based on where they are in, you know, the sort of their power relations at the outset of the show. I mean, yeah. I think that makes complete sense, right? And so that so that Jenny can't be satisfied in a way mm-hmm. by being yeah. by being queen. You know? Right. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I think that that was in the episode where they first introduced the drug dealer. She was kind of bored with being queen, right? right. And and you know, whereas like Blair never could be because that is her. You know, it's it's almost just to sort of go. And it's almost silly illogical. Being the queen is what she is meant to be, right? right. Whereas it is, it, it is her. It is her telos. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas for Jenny, now that she has achieved this goal. Like she, she's kind of rootless, right? And and so um, needs needs something else to 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 make it challenging. Yeah, I know. I think that that's a good point. Um, and so, like, I you know, I think that like by branching out of the of the structure of high school society into the structure of laws, and actually now we're bringing Foucault into it, right? Into the into the structure of uh, of discipline and punish, you know, mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the uh, of laws in the penitentiary and whatnot. Uh, I think that she's kind of um, I th- I think that she's. I think that she's making the claim in in a behavioral way that all laws are as empty as the laws of high school society. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. Um, it's it's just too bad that Lisa Todorovic is right that gossip grows about nothing. Um, <laughs> it's just a shame. No, I think you're. Right. I mean, no, I mean, it's just seeing that kind of article and then our ability to kind of refute it by example. Well, this is this like way. this is. It makes us feel good about the purpose of what we're of this endeavor, right? I mean, there's a tremendous amount of meaning in this in this in this show. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right, pushing on. Let's push on. So let's uh, we have to, we I mean, have to we, talk about we have to talk about Glee. We, uh, you let's know, go we to Glee. To, we yeah. haven't been good about about splitting time in no. past episodes, but I think we're 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 more or less on track. So I think we'll return a little bit of our last comment also brings in uh Gossip Girl. So I think we'll be able to sort of close uh, on some kind of a synthesis. But let's let's go to Glee. Glee I mean, also, also I we should just note we left a couple things on the table and because we have a hiatus, we'll return to these things. But uh we were talking about ethics. Uh, in mm-hmm. Gossip Girl, though I guess we touched on it with with my somewhat audacious claim, uh, somewhat uns- unsubstantiated claim um, that that Jenny is uh, Jenny is a nihilist, uh, you know. But um, I think that again, I think we'll be able to return because it, it all signs point to the fact that the the Jenny plotline is going to be the you know either the A or B plotline. Oh, this is something. Um, this is something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, about uh, yeah. two things I wanted to talk about. One, the titles are great. If you are not looking up online the titles of Gossip Girl episodes, mm-hmm. or seeing them on your TV listings uh, on the on the you know DVR or whatever, uh, you are depriving yourself of a great deal of pleasure. Because there are some smart people writing Gossip Girl, and they write very, very smart uh, titles with references to, like, Japanese sadomasochistic film, to classic American cinema, you know, uh, all, all kinds of things. Like, it's, right, you know, right. it's... Uh, you're 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 missing out if you're not on that train. Um, the other thing I, I I wanted to say is that like um, there's you know in Maria Full of Grace. Uh, I don't know. Did you see that movie? I did not. I did not. It's about a woman who's a drug mule. Oh, I, uh, I knew that. Oh yeah. my god! Spoilers. Why do you gotta spoil? And, and it, well, I'm I'm gonna spoil the whole fucking plot. And um, okay. turns out I can't. She, and, I cannot. I cannot fault you for that. And she only. It turns out she only gets into the country because, uh, unbeknownst to her, she is pregnant, and so the customs people can't X-ray her stomach to see if uh, she has swallowed, uh. you know, cocaine-filled pellets. Um, mm. Right? Uh, that's resistant. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's uh, sorry. I was just remarking. That yeah, that's that was a very- that's a good that's a good little twist. And then she, um, so she, you know, she gets here and starts a new life in in America. And the specter of exploitation uh, hovers over that movie, right? And like, there's no one who isn't trying to ex- exploit uh, poor Maria from the the drug organization that gets her from one place to. Uh, the other to American law enforcement who, you know, sees her as a way to get at the to, uh, to get at right. the, the people upstairs. Um, now, I, I'm not so sure about the relationship of Jenny and exploitation in this um, and, and and Jenny full of grace is what made me think of it. Like, I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what made me. Um, uh, I'm not sure what the relationship is there because it seems like Jenny is thrill seeking in a way. I mean, she's, she's engaging in this kind of like high risk, uh, teenage thrill seeking behavior and is in fact getting a lot out of it herself because she's so disaffected or because she sees fundamentally, she's like a character out of Sartre's nausea, you know? Oh God, there's another fucking uh- reference. 
I, I don't know, but uh, uh, <laughs> unpack that for me. <laughs> um, yet, for or maybe issues. not. Maybe we should bracket that. Um, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let it, let's bracket let's, that and let's actually bracket do that. Let's leave that one as a, as a, as a tantalizing cliffhanger. Um, um, I, I think the other thing we should bracket is, I mean, I think the question it raises is, you know, how – and this is something that we could look into um, for a future podcast or a possibly a future article – is, you know, how much meaning do these sort of um, allusions in the episode titles have, right? So is it just that it's like, oh, we need something about, you know, drug dealing and someone being an accessory to, like, you know, drug trafficking? And that's why we choose, you know – Jenny full of grace. I mean, I guess, you know, why, why Jenny is, is it significant that they, they called it Jenny full of grace, uh, rather than like, uh, you know, the wire Jenny, uh, or like, you know, um, or like, I mean, I think it is, or like Requiem for a Jenny dream. The one, Um, you know, I'm thinking of is, uh, the magnificent Archibald's, which was about, uh, Nate's father's final sort of capture by the, by the bad boys at whatever the Securities and Exchange Commission or, you know, whatever it is, um, that this is, you know, this is a, a reference to the Magnificent Ambersons, the Orson Welles film that, uh, right, like that is about the disintegration of, a, you know, of a once great American family, right? That, that, that these things are, you know, they're, they're at least... I I think like my money's on the but gossip again, I mean, again, I mean, I mean, I don't know the Magnificent Ambersons well, so I guess the question is, well, but, you know... I, I think how much? I, I mean, it, oh, yeah, be, and okay, yeah. These aren't shot for shot or like beat for beat remakes. But uh, but, I, but the the other question is in the aboutness. It's like, is it like a narrative similarity or is there a similarity in the meaning? And I guess, and then the question is, do we think that the differences are sort of meaning meaning generating or they're just you know, um, you know, because they're kind of being clever, right? So I guess that's the real question: is are oh, the yeah, writers how, just being, well? How deeply to read the references? How, right? How? Yeah. How deeply to read the reference? And I think uh, that's yeah. a. I think that that I mean would be a really. Um, it's a little bit beyond the scope of, of this podcast, but could be an interesting thing that we could work on for the website. Maybe. Um, is to, I also to view, to... view all of the source, you know, see which of the source materials, um, you know, figure out the illusions. Uh, you know, pull between us which of the source of material we're familiar with, watch the rest of them, and then do a, a big piece um, about that. I mean, that's that's a fucking journal article. That's not even a blog post. <laughs> uh, especially that's, if you say Derrida. We should give that to Belinky. Like, Belinky has, has done incredible research projects. Research projects, I think, worthy of a master. <laughs> you're right. I, you're, you're right. I've never done an incredible research project. <laughs> not for the blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not for overthinkingit.com you haven't. <laughs> Speaking of Wait, which, I, keep, I keep meaning to ask how the, how the uh, how the meeting with the committee went, but let's let's bracket that let's, first. Yeah, let's bracket that one. <laughs> um, for after the show. Um yeah. so I want to uh I want to talk about the metaphor of aboutness as well because mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. literally means encircling and so when, when we say a story is about something something wh- what are we saying but let's really bracket that one yeah no and we've talked about a little that a little bit when we've talked about the concept of ulteriority um but let's yeah let's let's maybe bracket that let's let's maybe close on that so let's go to glee let's go to glee and to our favorite our favorite co- commenter on antagonist. glee 
are, are you know he's almost the, he's really kind of the third member of this, uh, this <laughs> podcast. Uh, that's that's Mr. Matt Belinky. The His spirit uh, hovers uh, above this pod. Uh, another another uh, overthinking co-conspirator co-prisoner um, who who wrote in you know basically. He he basically was the specter hovering. He was the Bart Bass hovering over the first four or five episodes of this podcast. Yep. Um, and then we kind of moved away from his. Uh, he both kind of uh, moderated some of his claims, and we moved on. But now he uh, he wrote us. Uh, he he had a request for a discussion. Um, and do you want to do you want to take it? You want to read it? I'm trying. I'm trying to find it in the thread. So if you have it, you. Oh yeah, I, I got it. So here, so so Matt wrote in. I think it was before the finale. Uh, he says, "Guys, got a question for your next podcast. You guys, half jokingly, are dedicated to analyzing the sex lives of these fucking teenagers. But let's be honest. Nobody is fucking on Glee. Nobody." Quinn and Puck once, of course, but only out of dire plot necessity. Not Will and Terry. Not Emma. And, and her fiance, not even Sue. Sure, the show pokes some fun at the Chastity Club, but beneath the surface, I sense an almost puritanical streak. Certainly, compared with Gossip Girl, this is wholesome and sanitized for family audiences. Certainly is in all caps. Yeah, I, I tried to. Maybe I didn't give it enough. Uh, no, no, no you did. I just, I just was trying to, to okay. say what and, that was. And let's, and let's not forget that when Quinn got pregnant, I don't think anyone so much as breathe the word abortion and hey is there any underage uh, drinking or drug use maybe it's just so glee can be palatable to a younger high school musical audience um nevertheless i think it's worth addressing what do you make of the lack of uh of fucking in in glee I mean, I think I think Matt really just pulled a real Lisa Todorovic on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, so we've we've actually we've heard about some more sex that people are having, uh, right? Um, well, right. We 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 know that San, uh, Santana. So this is in the in the in the uh, sort of half season finale. There's this kind of uh, very early on uh, in that episode. There's this kind of conference call when everyone is trying to to um, you know, make sure no one tells. The, the Rachel doesn't tell Finn about uh, the truth about the uh, the, the the pregnancy, um, and and there's a sort of a side where. Um, you know, they say, you know, they someone accuses Santana, the kind of uh, ethnic cheerleader uh, of 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 telling uh, of telling Rachel. And they, they say she says, why would I do that? Is it? Oh, because you're dating. Uh, you know, you're dating Puck. And uh, she says, you know, sex isn't dating. Um, and at which point, uh, Brittany, the uh, blonde cheerleader says, yeah, if sex were dating. Uh, Santana and I would be dating. So we know that both that, that both Santana and Puck and Santana and uh, um, and Brittany. Uh, Brittany are are banging, in some banging. sense, banging. So okay, so like uh, right, yeah. I don't know how you could ever claim to put something more succinctly than 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 I can. I, I you know, I, uh, <laughs> uh, concision is is I consider concision to be one of my principal virtues. But but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that should be the episode title. <laughs> I consider concision to be one of my principal virtues. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, it's ironic. Yeah, you, you see that? 
I see. You know who I am? <laughs> I, yeah, I see what you did there. Uh, you know, look, I wonder if there's something for being like a big four network sitcom versus a, uh, uh, sorry, uh, hour long versus a, um, versus a CW hour long. You know, I, I don't know. I'd say in a way I, I've said before that, um, uh, I've said before that uh, Glee, I think, is a more subversive show than than Gossip Girl, and this is right. why. This is actually this gets at why in a in a different email. I mean, we kind of kicked this idea around the overthinking it writers email list, and we'll probably get into some of the things from the thread that ensued. But like um, uh, Matt said, also like in that montage there, where the where the the uh, uh, Santana and Britney thing is revealed, you know, it's revealed that everyone knows about the baby. Except Rachel. Everyone knows and no one's telling Finn. And Matt pointed out that, you know, that is dark. And, like, this is a show that is dark. This is a show that gives you nowhere to hang your hat as far as someone to identify with or to say, like, hey, they're basically basically a good person. And pretty much anyone you want to sympathize with goes and does something shitty, like, pretty much in the next episode, right? Well, right. And so I think that... um I mean, I, I think, and so, but I think that there's a tension in, in sort of Matt's comments. So Matt did point out that darkness, and then what? But then I think in his email was trying to was was you know taking issue with our claim about how subversive Glee is, right? So Matt basically says, no, in fact, Glee is extremely conservative. It's not subversive at all, right? right? That's what it, that's what his yeah, yeah. email compared with, I read. This, the quote is that it's you know compared with Gossip Girl, it's wholesome and sanitized for family audiences. And 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 so I mean I just so there's there's a few things here right so he says that you know our our um you know he, he says that our uh, podcast purports to analyze the sex lives of teenagers I mean yeah you know as you said earlier in the podcast we don't we don't talk about the sex scene um, a lot um, but I think it's I mean. Look, it's not a it's not a porno, you know, like like just because you know this isn't Skinamax, um, you know, like a porno. I just called it a porno. What am I like, like like sixty? Um, but um, you know, just like just because we're not seeing people having sex or they're not even talking frankly about their sex lives, or even if you know we don't know how much sex people are having, certainly people at least you know. Sex is part of people's uh, motivations. Their sexual desire is there. I mean, don't you think? I mean, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, of you know, is the schoolgirl crush the unobtainable schoolgirl crush on the you said a science teacher? But you know, there's the episode where Rachel has the um, the crush on Will, and yes, it is resolved that you know Susie Pepper kind of says you have this crush because he's unattainable, but. Th- is there not? There's some kind of a sexual element there, right? I mean, it's sex is part of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Or, or Rachel and I mean, Rachel and Puck. I don't, they didn't actually do it, but you know, there was this. There, you know, there was this this definite definite possibility that. They, well, sure. And I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, especially in the like. So, we even refracting from like you know, just fucking like reproduction right the idea of reproduction is is very important i mean and we talked about how it's important to gossip girl but it's also important to glee right so the whole reason puck is is dating um 
uh, is dating Rachel. Rachel. No, no, right, is, right, is dating right. Rachel is because she's Jewish, right? And and the, there's the idea of you know, and it was, this is like there's this great little cutaway um, in his flashback where you know his mother sort of uh, it, while they were watching schindler's list i think was like why can't you just date a a jewish girl right and and you know that has about to do about reproduction of a ethnic group of a of also a, you know, talk about talk about dark right like right. mom the little sister and puck are sitting there in three chairs with three tv trays with three yeah. tv dinners on them yeah watching schindler's list yeah and man mom, this show this show is such a softball sanitized for yeah family. it's so sanitized god like, <laughs> Um, but no, so you see the, so like, like it is both, you know, even though to our knowledge, um, you know, Rachel and, um, you know, Puck don't bone. I mean, that's, it's on the table, both like, you know, I, I think that, you know, that was, that was certainly a possible outcome of that liaison, but then the broader idea of reproduction, right. Right. Is, is, is part of this. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think the, yes, we don't talk about only about the sex lives of the teenagers, but we talk about the way that the sort of, you know, um, sexiness. When the sexiness is is the thing that the show purports to be about, what is it actually about sociologically? Right. And when the show is you know purporting to be like a happy musical, what are the implications for the sociology of of, of sex? Is, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, and what? D- tell me, what are the implications for the sociology of sex? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a that's a, I, I left that one hanging a little bit. Um, well, but is, I, I mean, this actually might be a, a gateway into hidden lesbians. Sure, uh, someone on because someone one of the writers claimed Andre. that they, Andre, yeah, con, uh, claimed that um, uh, that the Santana Britney uh, exchange revealed hidden lesbians. Are, are you familiar? I, so I'm not familiar with the trope of hidden lesbians. Could you unpack that for me? Well, it's the um, I, the the one that that gave. Uh, the example that um, that Stokes gave was like the uh, the early seasons of Gina, where they're totally gay, but the mm-hmm. script never uh, uh, never admits it. Right. I, you know, I don't know. I think that like in in sort of the mainstream, this is what I want to get at with this about the sociology of sex. I think that w- that within the mainstream, the idea of cross gender. Uh, sort of sexual experimentation is actually kind of gaining mainstream yes uh, kind of gaining mainstream credence which is not to say that homophobia is gone or not to say that like you know the world is happy and like we can all smile and hold hands right. and like right. the gays right. have right. no right. more right. problems right. clearly that's not the case you know who was the latest was it like new york was the latest state to ban gay marriage or something i, yeah. I don't know it's it's you know and this is we'll we'll look we'll look back at this eventually as a you know shameful episode in our history but but um it seems like as far as the discourse the mainstream discourse uh especially among young people goes yeah. that th- it, it's really sort of not a not a big deal now i i mean i wonder if a lot of it is too is sort of uh, is lesbian experimentation, and I wonder if a lot of that is not kind of for the benefit of a male gaze, um, and if that kind of undercuts the the maybe some of the liberating features of this thing. But 
I mean, so. I hope I hope they do. I mean, part of I guess what why um, you know Andre sort of defended that as a classifying that aside as as hidden lesbians is the fact that it hasn't been brought up at all, and it was only brought up as this kind of aside, right? So we don't know anything about whether it was for you know the benefit of a male audience or or not. But you know, I think your reading, which is almost like well, the casual tossed off ofness, is a point that it's just not a big deal, right? It's something that happens that that you know this is something that the cool girls do right um, sure um and i think that that is actually a more interesting interpretation of of sort of you know um a a sort of 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 girl on girl action than the, say where we're, i was going to say then the three yeah, yeah exactly i was yeah. headed, i was mm-hmm. headed right the same place right as, exactly as you were. whereas whereas like the threesome is actually much more um in some ways, not right. So, I mean, this is the thing, right? No, so yeah, because because it's set up as such a big fucking deal. You know what well, I right. mean? So it's it's like so the threesome is really about again about sort of power relationships and the instability of a triad. You know, and right. this is something that has been like pointed out in in like political science theories of things like from from um, sort of studies of electoral systems and the effect of like different types of electoral rules on the number of political parties, right? And why you get you know, two party systems rather than three party systems. And it's been pointed out in IR studies of like how many great powers are in an international system, sorry, in international relation studies of the international system. So I feel like the the threesome is is actually about that, right? About polarity. Um, uh, and, and, and sort of how power can, you know, kind of how a, a three, a, a triad is unstable. Whereas this kind of a side, you know, while that is not like a main plot point, actually, you know, the, the, the little lesbian aside in, um, in Glee, it says actually something about, how teenagers are having sex. So I think that we just sort of cashed that out a little bit, right? So the the sort of sexiness in Gossip Girl actually leads to sort of non-sexy implications. Whereas, you know, in in Glee, it even if it's not front and center, you know, what it, what is and isn't said and the way that it is and isn't said you know, speaks volumes about these teenage, how these teenagers are, are having sex or are not having sex or want to be having sex, right? So, so I think that, you know, the fact that... Also, remember that Puck is in the chastity club. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. The the main reason everyone's in this chastity club is because it's kind of hot, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's the this, and so I think that that you know Matt did kind of at some point concede that they make fun of the chastity club, but I think that that is also you know part of this uh, addressing um, uh, uh, sort of. Uh, teen sexuality, and I think, and and I think the Rachel crush on on the teacher is is on on Will is um, also about this, right? And I think in le- the last episode we actually talked about a, a little bit about the power dynamic inherent in a student teacher relationship, and that I think it captured that in an interesting way, and is is you know they didn't have sex, um, and but that doesn't make it you know, about sex, less about sex. I mean, do you want to maybe get back to this meaning, you know, of the word about or the way that we're using the word aboutness? Well, I think it's a bigger, I think that's a bigger, uh, bigger discussion than, than we're having now. Like what is the, you know, what is sure. the, the, the idea of a story about something, a story surrounded something right. or, yeah. or a story, 
you know, a story encircling something like. Right, but I think it's worth bringing up in light of this. You know, if we want to well, say, I, I mean, that like in the- some sense, Glee is about. You know, if we want to say counter like so glee said blinky wants to say glee isn't about sex at all and right. and i right. think yeah, and no, so no, no, i think glee, you glee have is, to redefine you have to use a particular kind of definition of aboutness well, you, have to, you have to use the idea that is you know that is inherent in the original meaning of that word which meant right. encircling exactly. or surrounding you exactly. know that that glee encircles or surrounds sex yes. usually we think of aboutness as being being kind of like a pointer like it's a very it's a very stable way of of generating meaning, you know, right. this it's is like, about, it's like, this it's like the, that. it's the MacGuffin or something like yeah, that. Or right? It's, or like <laughs> it's, it's allegorical, right? Where, where there's right. kind of a one-to-one correspondence between, uh, between what's happening on the metaphorical level and what's happening right. on the level of the moral. Or, right. or there's even like the surface. So there's a surface level of aboutness. What are the people pursuing? Right? right. What are they doing? Right. And what, what is their aim? Right. So in that, on that surface level, Glee is about, a glee club and a, a competition, you know, for a, you know, the glee club's desire to win nationals. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, right, right. That's like the most surface level of what glee is about. Um, you know, it's what they are chasing, right? Yeah, but exactly. Then, it's what they're after. Sure. But then there's the kind of the second, you know, the sort of one-to-one, like, you know, metaphorical level. But, but then there is... Question, I mean, there's a question of, like, what does that mean to each of the characters? And to Will, it means kind of a return to the glory days. Exactly. Uh, exactly. To, to his, you know, to his own glory days. I mean, in a way, right, like, this is a story about a guy who's creeping up on middle age, trying to recapture... He's yes. a little early for a midlife crisis, but trying to recapture the kind of uh, sexual virility of uh-huh. yeah. right of his teenage years and sure. in, in what way is that not uh yeah you know what i mean in what way is well, that and the, the scene that really i think makes that really clear is in the uh episode where um uh where where rachel has the crush on him on the ball in the ballad episode he sings this song to try to send her the message you know to back off right it's the it's the mashup of what is it, young girl and don't stand so close to me? Yeah. Um, and and Emma comes along. Um, I was thinking, uh, oh, I was thinking watch that. that. Yeah. I just, because I think that that, like, his performance of that, right, like, it's just a really, right, so on one hand, he's trying to say, yeah, Rachel, you can't be into me. But, like, basically, he ends up just leaving them even more, like, you know, worked up into a frenzy. And, and he doesn't do anything to counter this, because it's a very, you know, he has like all the all the sexuality of a rock star, right? He's jumping off. He's he's you know his body language, his posture is very sort of very much moving forward, and and he's it's there is sort of a lot of you know there's a lot of sexual tension in in his movements I and mean, how it looks to the, his singing. I don't know. The, the, Again, I'm not a I'm not a practitioner of those of those dark arts. Um, uh, you know, I'm not in trade school. Uh, yeah, the oh. dark arts, of sex. Yeah, <laughs> no, of the performing, of the performing arts and crafts. Yeah, he was awfully. Well, no, he was awfully into it. Uh, I'm thinking back to his. Uh, didn't he do the thong song? And yes. Then, and then also, um, uh, I'm thinking about the just as a separate issue, just as an issue of like, well, is this a show about sex? About the Glee Club singing "Push It." Right, 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 right. You know? Mm-hmm. That like you know Rachel we're gonna, we're going to give them them uh, we're, we're going to give them sex and like I wonder if this is not a um, 
I wonder if this is not a, like a master narrative for reading the show. The way uh, Gossip Girl is about power, power relationships, and the uses of power. Right. You know? I wonder if Glee is about uh, about sex, sexual relations, and the uses of sex. Uh, the, but it it is not. Um, uh, it is not straightforward. It, it's right. it's not an essay about those right. things, right? It's right. A, exactly. It's about um, it's about them. It surrounds those issues right. and kind of right. looks in at them and kind sure. of ventures into those issues from uh, from particular from particular angles. Like and these right. questions of like how do we choose a partner? You know, how mm-hmm. does Puck mm-hmm. choose Rachel uh, tentatively? Right? How right. does Will choose Terry? You know, right. or right, and, right. like what what would make Will choose Emma? Why why will Ken choose Emma but not Emma choose Ken? You know? Right. What about right. what about Sue's? I mean, just to kind of finish ringing the changes about this. What about Sue and that news anchor? Right. Right. And right. The, or you know, and you know, the time that she got uh, she got her heart broken. There isn't a marriage that works in. Uh, in Glee. So, I mean, this is, I mean, this, you know, you know it's either this is what's going to be really interesting. Like, so dead. what's going to happen now that there's been some kind of, you know, that the apex of the finale was, was Will kissing Emma. Right. Like, I mean, you know, that's the, I mean, I think I, I'm, I, talk about a cliffhanger. I, I don't know because there's not a relation, right? That's why you just articulated why I'm very concerned about the second half of Glee. Sure. Because, you know, either they're headed for bad things or, um, or the, the rules are going to have to change, right? Um, I mean, it, it almost feels like, you know, that episode and that resolution felt like they shot this without knowing how much the show was going to get Oh, you know what? And, and right? actually, like, I, I believe that because the, the way, right? The that way could have been a that could have been a finale, right? Like that yeah, was like well, a, that a was like a series these, finale, and right? it was episode thirteen. And a lot of shows do a thirteen episode season these days, right? right? And like right. even shows that don't, the the standard right for a new show is that they they order the pilot, you know, they buy seven episodes of the series, they buy another five episodes of the series, making thirteen, and then they buy the rest of the series. And these are done right. as these are done as separate transactions. So I I believe that when uh, when that that uh, finale was written and conceived. It wasn't clear what a hit. It wasn't clear yet what a hit this right. show would be right. for Fox. Right. right. You know, and that the rest of the season hadn't been picked up. I am. I am heartened to know that the back nine, right? Like, will have Idina Menzel, uh, the the originator of the Wicked Witch character in Wicked, uh, oh, by the Wicked Witch character. Um, as, oh, that's great. That's great that they they have her now that they had Kristen Chenoweth, right? Like, yeah. Um, well, that's. Um, that's I mean, it's really cool. And then, and that like, um, and also that like Rachel and um, Kurt sang "Defying Gravity," which was the the Act One <laughs> yeah. uh, curtain number from uh, from Wicked. Uh, but that she's going to be the coach of vocal adrenaline. Oh, know? that's great! Yeah, oh, that's so great. that like, I think that they're not going to lose sight. Uh, I I mean, I think they have their their eye on the ball. You know, right? But it's going to be there, there's some tricky things they have to contend with. One right. is kind of. Um, what to do with this this Will Emma thing, and then the second is how they kind of left it hanging with, uh, with Sue, right? Because I think the way that they kind of like wrote that it was again it was kind of open ended. It's going to be, you know, because because they are continuing on to regionals. We know that not a lot of actual time is going to elapse. Um, within you know within the world of Glee between right. now and and when, when it picks up like in when is it coming back like 
April or something like that. Um, After American it, Idol, yeah, it'll be March yeah, or April. Yeah, March or April. So it's like more time is going to elapse in our world than is elapsing in 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 Glee world. So it's but so it's going to be hard, you know, because sometimes when you have like an actual, um, you know, season break, you know, you you allied a lot more time, and just because there's still this arc of regionals and nationals that they want to address. I don't know what they're going to do with and actually shows, that. You know, it shows that, that don't elide a lot of time um, are, are very often like disorienting when you come back. Yeah. You know? like, no, so, uh, like a burn notice, I've noticed it, where, you know... You, that's interesting. Where you come back, and I, I saw, like, the first couple seasons on DVD all as a, all in a thing, but, like, number three and number four, I think we're in the middle of number four now, mm-hmm. um, coming back, like, mere seconds after you, uh, you know, after you left, it's just, it's disorienting, you know? Well, wasn't um, the most recent Bond movie was like that, right? Quantum of Solace jumped sure. in, like, right after the end of, of Casino Royale. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about God. Gossip Girl is that every, and I guess maybe this is because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've been in school for my entire, basically my entire, you know, since I was five. But the fact that every season of Gossip Girl, where you have totally never done follows, a single research project. No, no, I know. I just, I'm just filling up space. But no, I mean, the fact is, like, I don't celebrate, like, like January 1st is pretty meaningless to me. For me, the year starts in September, right? And, and, and that's the great thing about Gossip Girl is that the, the sort of, their sort of, um, their season aligns with the academic calendar, the September, September to May. Um, and so you go along more or less in real time, right? And so, and it goes with this uh, sort of repetition, right? So you get a beginning of the year episode every year, a a Thanksgiving episode, a Christmas episode, um, a someone getting in a horrible car crash episode. Right. Um, and and we're, so I don't know. So Glee has a little bit of work uh, cut out for it, um, but I think that you're right. I mean, so you know, talking about just to you know close out the or maybe return to what you were talking about. This questions of partner selection. Um, let's do our last uh, listener feedback, um, and it's about it's about pregnancy. I don't think we're going to be able to. Um, do all of the things that our reader uh, or our listener will um, says, but he he wanted us to talk a little bit about pregnancy. Uh, uh, do you have that? Listener, do you have that email? Yeah, up? I do. Uh, listener will writes in. Um, I request you focus somewhat in the next fucking teenager podcast on the huge developments regarding the pregnancy storylines. In my opinion, Glee has uh, dramatically outshone some fairly dull storylines in Gossip Girl. Admittedly, any time that Serena gets a lot of airtime, I find myself losing interest because I find her character uninteresting due to her lack of evolution. Uh, the evolution of Chuck and Bear, even uh, Blair, even Nate and Dan, to a lesser degree, have all been exciting parts of, of Gossip Girl. Uh, I'd have to quibble with you on Nate then, there, Will. Like, I'm not sure really how far he's come. But anyway, sorry. Serena... That's interesting, because I would actually quibble with Dan. I think Nate's been a compelling character, but we can... That's, I, think, I think we're going to have to bracket that one. Yeah, I, I think Nate and Dan don't belong on the list. Chuck and Blair definitely do. Uh, so does Jenny, to a certain extent. Uh, but Serena, in any case, I think we can all agree, Serena remains kind of stuck as a re- rebellious teenager, and I'm back with Will now, re- rebellious teenager prone to histrionics. On Glee, uh, the evolution of these characters, especially Quentin has also been fascinating. Plus, the one-liners of Brittany are quickly becoming some of the best jokes on television. Agree. Uh, I just want Glee to get some love from the podcast, even if it isn't as fascinating as a sociology study. Although Terry Will's wife would have done quite well in the Upper East Side political stri- struggles if uh, she had been born to money. No, uh, she doesn't... 
You see, I, and that's, that's from Will. I, Will, I want to say, Terry, and I don't want to focus on this, but Terry wouldn't have done well because she doesn't see the end game. You know? She's, but, I mean, so, I mean, I wonder if Terry would have performed more or less like Jenny. I mean, there's actually a fair amount of similarities um, between the two. Or, or what, what, are, what are the differences between Terry and, and Jenny? I I think Jenny. Well, okay. So here's what does does Jenny the see the end game? No, she doesn't. But Jenny can't. Jenny is flexible enough to work yes. her way out of the problem, and it happens a couple times, right? It happens at the cotillion with uh, uh, with getting Nate as her date, yes, and it yes, happens yes, with the yes. designer handbags. Well, I think that I mean because this is and this goes back to what we were saying in the last episode. Uh, you know, Glee implications for behavioral economics is that. For a variety of reasons, almost all, all of the characters in Glee are sort of cognitively limited in some way or another. And that's to say they're not all they're not all stupid, right? But that there's different, you know, limitations in, in people's abilities to kind of adapt and make quick decisions. And I was and talking make- about this. I was actually talking about this at coffee this afternoon with a friend of mine who's a film and television writer, mm-hmm. and who says. Um, uh, who says, like, I sometimes can't watch Glee, and he's a Hollywood film and television writer, mm-hmm. so, so everything kind of has that, like, happy ending spin on it. Right, like he says, right. I sometimes can't watch Glee because there's no one to identify with, right? There's no right. one who isn't at some point reprehensible, which, was, right, which is the right. point I was making about, uh, about Belinky. That, like, but, even, but even taking away, stepping away from morality, I mean, it's, like, it's also, right, it's, there's no one who you always feel is, like, you know, making the right, uh, like, I mean, so there's... Or, or, yeah, the wrong choice for the right reason. Like, there's no... Right, but so... There isn't like, there's, a character like Vic Mackey on The Shield where you're totally with him even as he does terrible things. Well, right. It's well, And that's because, like, I mean, I, I, and The Shield is on my, like, you know, long-term shows I gotta watch list. Oh. Um, I, no, I mean, you know, it's just, I just haven't oh, gotten God. around before, to it. Uh, Brian, I'd say before The Sopranos, before The West Wing, watch The Shield. Okay. All right. That's uh, done. Uh, that's that's easy because I've been toying with it for a while. So I'll put that uh, I'll put that up there because I mean my sense is that you know the thing about Mackie and you correct me if I'm wrong is that he's internally consistent, right? Um, and I think the problem with the characters in Glee is that right. So you know, and it's like I mean, Omar's like this. And to, he to starts, say, you know what? I'll say I'll say this about him. He starts internally consistent. That's and interesting. I, yeah, and I think that that's. I mean, I think that that is. That you know, that's a, a that's a uh, that's a discussion for another podcast, right? But like, so, but Omar, like the, the, so the characters, the Omar characters, is the same way that he he has a set of values and he acts in accordance with them. It's a code. Everybody's got to have a code. Right. Man's got to have a code, right? Even in his well, right? And like, it's the same point that that Kiefer Sutherland made with slightly less subtlety in A Few Good Men, right? Uh, they are de- <laughs> that he is dead because he had no honor. He is uh-huh. dead because uh-huh. he had no code, right? That, that like, yeah, no, you have to hang your hat right. somewhere. And right. that, like, Glee is a show where there's nowhere to hang your hat. And, it, and it, but it's, I think what I'm trying to get to is that it's, part of that is about, you know, characters' motivations, right? And part of it is, like, is cognitive, right? So that, um, you know, Terry is, like, she makes some bad decisions, but then she also, you know, again, part of why she's not like Jenny, you know, she relies on, like, the, um, you know, bad advice of her idiot sister, right? Like, um, well, and, actually, and- this, is, this is very interesting, right? Harold Bloom wrote a book about Shakespeare called Shakespeare, the Invention of the Human. Um, 
And uh, it's another one for the for the links. Uh, we should be keeping track oh, of this. Oh God! Yeah, uh, in no, it's in the wave. Yeah, it's in the Google wave at the very bottom. Can you? Can oh, you put uh, beautiful! Yeah, I'm and on where it. Where he says that um, that the thing that Shakespeare invents that was revolutionary in terms of literary representation, and so revolutionary in fact that it became uh, revolutionary in terms of our conception of ourselves, uh, was the idea of self overhearing. You know, and that that this sense of of uh, Freud calls it ego splitting, right? That you can mm-hmm. you can at certain points. Uh, and Freud was talking about psychoanalysis. So in the, in the course of therapy, right, you can divide into a sort of an acting or an experiencing self and an observing self. And uh-huh. that, like, and that for, Sha- for Shakespeare, what Bloom says is like self-overhearing. And, you know, in class you ask him, well, Professor Bloom, what is, you know, the difference between... Uh, Hearing yourself and overhearing yourself, and he says, "Ah, overhearing means it's a communication that seems to be destined for someone else, ah, right?" Uh-huh. And that, like, uh, so that you're either an interloper or you've stumbled on this, stumbled on this realization. And so the ability to have kind of meta, to kind of meta cognate, right? Like to, mm-hmm. to yes, 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 the idea yes. to like think about yourself is an ability that every character in Glee lacks. Yes, you know? yes, exactly. And that, 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 and that this is the kind of cognitive limitation that you're talking about it's not that they're stupid uh or you know disabled in some way it's some that- are some some <laughs> are stupid no right no i mean the, the, like terry i would say is not as stupid i mean her sister i would say is stupid like i would say finn is portrayed as being stupid in several points in time Brittany, yeah Brittany. And Brittany sure. is portrayed as being stupid okay Fair but enough. not they're not all stupid right so, um, like the stupid ones are easy to point out, but even the people who are, you know, less stupid lack this kind of metacognition. Yeah, the the one that I point to and say maybe he has it is Kurt. Mm, interesting. You know, because, and I think that his other the, the kind of otherness uh, forced on you by being a closeted gay person, like actually forces you to think about yourself in a slightly alienated way. Right. So that's really interesting. But then. What do you no, make of but, that? But then he, but then he yeah. goes about and does awful things to, um, does awful things to, uh, to what's her name? To Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Uh, the next, right in in just the next episode, you know, he's turning around and, and right. uh, giving her bad bad advice about Finn. Right. So, and you know, he is totally unable to make the connection to right. the larger, uh, to the larger thing. And I, I don't know if this is a weakness, right? Because like teenagers are. At that like that adolescence point in in development, like you get you become um, dedicated to abstract ideals, right? right. And like right. Uh, and things like fairness. That's why you know that's why a kid like uh, a high school kid like it's not fair is one of right. the worst um, uh, is one of the worst kind of things that they can that they can say because it's you know that's it, like it violates everything I believe. It's not fair. It's not consistent. Uh, so I mean, for these for these kids not to not to have a code in a way, I, I but but you know, Glee is no, no. Like, I, I don't know? think it's a weakness. I think it's. I mean, like we 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 kind of you know concluded in last week's episode. It's just it's part of it's another piece of what Glee is about about the worldview, right? And I think I think it's part of what makes it fascinating, right? I think it's it can definitely be interpreted as a as a flaw by some, but I think that our you know your your sort of explaining that doesn't do anything to say oh that this isn't good but rather you know sort of uh cashing that out 
for me makes it all the more compelling. Um, and, and so even bringing up this, these kinds of cognitive limitations is just sort of building, you know, we're building a case of what is the universe that Glee's Glee's constructing. And I think that, um, you know, uh, sex and a la- lack of metacognition are, um, are big pieces of that. <laughs> well, if you want to metacognate about anything that we have said, uh, you know what well, to do. Let me interrupt you very quickly. Uh, Will, we'll hopefully get back to some of your, um, you know, the rest of your comments and questions uh, on, our, on our next episode. I think we are well, well over time, uh, given, given that, uh, you know, concision is one of our uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, virtues. But uh, like we, we, we didn't ignore the rest of those uh, because they lack value. It's actually a very rich email. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll return to it, even though it, we honed in on basically your last parenthetical for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, how we, that's how we roll here. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Continue. Continue with the, the exit <laughs> With the, with the, uh, the sign-off. Pull the ripcord. Yep. Uh, well, uh, you can uh, contact us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com. You can contact us at 20fatjog01. That's 203. <laughs> Two eight five six four zero one to leave a voicemail. Uh, leave your name. Tell us where you're calling from. We are uh, always interested in that. And um, oh, what on else? Oh, and follow us on the twitters. Follow us on the twitters at uh, what is it? Twitter.com/slash/tft podcast. Our Twitter name is tft podcast. We usually live tweet. Uh, Glee and Gossip Girl when we watch it. The yes. trouble is Ryan and I are in different time zones. <laughs> yes. So we like you'll see a full set of Glee notes <laughs> and then another full set of Glee notes from beginning to uh, from beginning to end. But this is our strategy for maximizing, you know, our uh, maximizing our viral uh, media <laughs> exposure, right? Is that we just we do it we do it twice? That's that's, that's a great that's a great rationalization. <laughs> we also, I mean, I don't think there is another way to do it because we we each want to do it in the correct time slot. Uh, I don't know. You have a better idea? Uh, tell it to us. Tell it for me, your host Matthew Rather. Tell it for my conspirator. Ryan Sheely, tell it for the writers at overthinkingit.com, the site that originates this podcast. And more than anything else, tell it for these fucking teenagers.